Hey Corrine, I'm your host Hannah McKegg and I'm here to bring you an interview with a township employee, resident, or business and to find out who they are and what they do to help the township function. This week I sit down with the new fire chief, Alan Walls. Join us as we talk about his journey to the position, what it takes to be a fireman, and the importance of mental health. This is our last traditional episode of Hey Corrine as our next release will be a special game show edition. Thank you so much for being such great listeners. I really appreciate it. And as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Cole Rain. Uh, tell me what was your journey to this position? So my journey to this position really began about 25 years ago. And in 1993, I was working at the University of Cincinnati in the Department of Surgery as a research assistant. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I guess you could say I wasn't necessarily feeling fulfilled uh, and or I didn't feel like I had found my purpose in life. Growing up, uh, small town, volunteer fire department, always had that, uh, you know, urge to run up the corner and then see the trucks go by and mm-hmm. um, something that was always in the back of the head uh, in terms of something that I might want to do. But um, fast forward to 93, though, uh, there was a nurse who worked in uh, the clinical office. I worked in the academic office. Mm-hmm. I had a couple conversations with her about uh, the, the fire service. Her husband happened to be a fire chief. Oh, wow. Uh, and so she gave me his name and number, um, called him up, uh, and he gave me advice. And obviously, 27 years later, that here advice was are. great advice, and, and here we are. And, and so along the way then, um, I started out as a volunteer firefighter, I got hired part-time at uh, Corian Township and the City of Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, was eventually hired full-time at the City of Harrison, and then uh, I left the City of Harrison to come to Corian full-time in 2000. Wow. Uh, and henceforth, I've been a firefighter, paramedic, a captain, a division chief in training, a battalion chief, assistant chief of administration, and now assistant chief of operations. Wow. So um, it's been a, a very fulfilling um, career uh, to this point, and, and I look forward to continuing to, to serve here in the township and, and make a difference. Mm-hmm. What is the training like to become a firefighter? So generally speaking, uh, at a minimum, mm-hmm. there are uh, about three different levels of firefighter training, plus uh, EMT uh, training has about three different levels. And so you could be a, a basic EMT, you could be an intermediate, or you could be a paramedic. So I became okay. a paramedic in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy being a paramedic, and so I still work part-time as a paramedic uh, for an agency to the west of here that, uh, that does 911 calls. Mm-hmm. I think um, as a leader, it's important to do what you ask others to do. And so uh, our uh, EMS units here are very busy in Corrine Township, but uh, I think it's important to show that um, I'll still get in the back of an ambulance and, and take care of patients. Yeah. Uh, as far as a firefighter goes, uh, there's a volunteer level, and there's a firefighter one and a firefighter two to be a career firefighter in the state of Ohio. It's a it's about a 260-hour class. Wow. Uh, to be a paramedic, it's in excess of 1,000 hours. Mm-hmm. But in order to be a paramedic, you have to be an EMT first, which is about 160. Uh, 50 or 60 hour class. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who want to become firefighters or maybe early in their career? I think it's important to have a strong moral compass. I think it's important to want to uh, have a desire to serve others mm-hmm. and not serve oneself. 
uh, I think it's uh, likewise important to want to make a difference every day. And so, you know, in, in uh, the world that we know it, as far as fire and emergency medical services, it's the one job, in my opinion, where day in and day out, you can make a difference in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in a conversation the other day, uh, I was talking about, generally speaking, when people call us, uh, there are one of a couple different things going on. They either feel hopeless or they feel helpless. And to have the opportunity to, to bring some hope to someone or to bring some help to someone mm-hmm. and make a difference in their life is, um, I, I couldn't think of anything, you know, Greater, yeah. greater to do. That's it's a very powerful position, and I think Chief Danny um, had a really great quote last episode, and I, I asked him a similar question about police officing, and he said, "As long as you're a good person, you can become a good police officer." But it starts with that inner humanity. I, I agree 100%, and you know, I think a lot of my you know personal core values, you know, align with our core values here, and and so we have. You know, organizational values here at, at Coleraine Fire DMS of customer service. Mm-hmm. So it's important to provide that high level of customer service. Yeah. And sometimes, honestly, it's as simple as holding a person's hand or just being nice to them, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to some of the other medical interventions that we can do. Niceness goes a long ways yeah. to making a bad day a better day. Um, teamwork and trust. And so, you know, we have to work together as a team. Likewise, we have to trust one another and we, and we have to build that trust within. Uh, the community with uh, those that we serve and then growth and nurturing I've been doing this for 25 years now and I still don't know everything and and I never will Mm -hmm. and so you know that process of continuous improvement and and always learning is is important I think that when a person in this career feels that they've finally learned everything um, they've become content and content meant um, can lead to complacency mm-hmm. uh, and then finally um, you know mutual respect it's, it's important to uh, respect one another and respect those that uh, we serve and so uh, you know from that standpoint um, it's 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 important that uh, those things align yeah definitely do you have any values or maybe a motto that you try to integrate in your work every day or you try to lead by? Uh, there's a couple different things, I suppose. Uh, I truly believe that, and it sounds kind of cliche as you might say, and or simple, but it's really not mm-hmm. um, difficult. Uh, I believe that in everything that we do, we should do it right. Mm-hmm. If you take out the trash, do it right. If you wash the truck, do it right. If you start an IV, do it right. And, and somebody says, well, do it right. That sounds pretty simple. Well, sometimes doing it right isn't always that simple. Yeah. But you wear your uniform, do it right. Um, you know, we go to a fire, we do it right. And so as simple as it sounds, really, that's what it really boils down to is, mm-hmm. is, is doing it right. Uh, likewise, I believe in excellence above all else. I have probably been chasing perfection my entire career knowing that I will never achieve it but at a minimum I will always um, reach excellence Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what the public expects of us they don't expect us to be right 90% of the time they don't expect us to be right 95% of the time they should expect us to be right 100% of the time Uh, and I know I'll never be perfect and and I understand that, but in 
chasing that, uh, I won't be anything, hopefully, other than excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your heart will be in the right place. Yeah. Generally speaking, uh, in my opinion, uh, there's four different domains when it comes to public service, and it's what's in our heart and what's in our head, and then how we display it with our hands and our habits. And mm-hmm. so when your heart and your head are in the right place, you will display it appropriately with your hands and your habits. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes someone can hide a little bit of what's in their heart or what's in their head, but eventually it'll come out with what they do with their hands and their habits, mm-hmm. and um, they'll be found out. Yeah, you can only hide that for so long. What Switching back to kind of your role as assistant fire chief, what takes up the bulk of your time in this position? Um, honestly, my favorite word, meetings. <laughs> um, and some of those are scheduled, some of those are unscheduled, but honestly, um, meetings. And mm-hmm. so, and honestly, some of the more productive meetings are the, are the ones that are unscheduled. You know, when somebody comes in and has an idea or they've got something on their mind mm-hmm. um, or they have something that... Um, they think it's important and so you know there are days it's like if I have one more meeting today um, and I kind of put my hands on my head but generally speaking they're all important they all serve a purpose and and, and they just take time and mm-hmm. so you know as far as those unscheduled ones you know we talk a lot about diversity and inclusiveness and, and another word that I think is just as important belonging and so if a person comes to the office door and uh, they have an idea, uh, regardless of their tenure here, uh, it's, it's important to hear what they have to say because, you know, once again, I don't know everything. I will never know everything. Mm-hmm. And, and just because I've been here 20 years and they've been here five years doesn't mean that maybe they don't have a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, then, when we give them that sense of belonging, you know, kind of like a fish in the sea as opposed to a fish out of the sea, um, I think it helps them achieve their purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really amazing. What would you say is the best part of your job? Uh, the best part of the job is day in and day out, just being able to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, something that's very near and dear to me. So in 2008, we suffered a double line of duty death here. Captain Robin Brockstrom and firefighter Brian Shire fell into a basement in the mm-hmm. north part of the township and uh, lost their lives. And, and so coming out of that, uh, organizationally, um, we had a line of duty death committee. Uh, we ended up producing a report, and even though it's been 12 years uh, since their deaths, um, the lessons that were learned that day are just as important today as they were uh, mm-hmm. the, the day that that incident happened. And people still want to hear and, and learn from us in, in terms of what happened that day. And, and so uh, having the opportunity to, to go out and still to this day talk about what happened that day and, and keep their legacies alive um, mm-hmm. is something that's very important and near and dear to me. How do you integrate those lessons and their legacies in your day-to-day here? So in, in, in a daily basis, uh, honestly, it, it kind of harkens back to that, um, doing it right. Uh, and likewise, excellence you know, above all else. Um, that particular day, um, there wasn't any one particular thing that led to uh, their deaths. It was just a chain of things that uh, unfolded. And so, you know, I guess the best way to put it is we have to understand that there are no routine calls. So 
that incident was dispatched as a fire alarm activation. Mm -hmm. We respond to countless fire alarm activations, and 98% of the time, they're false alarms. But Mm -hmm. um, no matter whether it's 98% of the time they're false or 0% of the time they're false, there, there are no routine runs. And so I think it... It kind of boils down that to do is is having the idea that you know there are no routine runs. Mm-hmm. Um, that fire alarm, as it was dispatched 20 minutes later, resulted in their deaths. Wow. What is the volume of calls that you respond to here? So we respond to about 10,500 calls a year. Wow. Um, that's roughly um, 88,000 EMS calls and, and 2,500. Um, fire, um, technical rescue, hazmat, and uh, other type miscellaneous runs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, generally speaking, we're averaging somewhere around 28 to 30 calls a day. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, generally speaking, uh, we're the second busiest uh, department here in Hamilton County. The city of Cincinnati is, is obviously the busiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we're second busiest. Wow. And then how many, how many people are in the whole department? So we have about 160 um, firefighter, paramedic, and, and EMTs uh, on a daily basis. So we've got the five fire stations. Our, our maximum staffing is 33 uh, with time off and, and, and call-offs and such. Uh, we could drop to as few as, as 25. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, though, you know, we want to be around that 33. Yeah. Um, that way we can adequately staff all of our apparatus. But even when we're adequately staffed or when we're staffed to our fullest, um, we still cross staff some of our apparatus. And so, um, you know, we roughly cover about 44 square miles. And then, you know, we've got those characteristics uh, of both urban, suburban, and, and, and rural areas. We, you know, we likewise still have areas here in the township that uh, have no fire hydrants. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have water tankers and require or rely on water tankers from other jurisdictions if we happen to have a fire in those non-hydrated areas. Interesting. I never, I guess I never really thought of the importance of fire hydrants in rural areas. Yeah, there's about, well, now we're probably to about 15% of the township is still non-hydrated. Mm. So... Uh, those types of incidents can be particularly challenging from having an ad- adequate water supply. Yeah. What have been some of your biggest accomplishments or proudest moments while working for Coleraine? Um, you know, honestly, um, I'm a humble kind of person. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about a, a accomplishments for me is difficult only because... You know, I feel like we have a wheel, and a wheel is held together by spokes. I'm one of the spokes in that wheel that tries to keep the yeah. wheel in alignment going down the road. We can we um, can switch the question to maybe, what are some things about Coleraine Fire Department that make you proud to be a part of it? So, uh, the mere fact that it is an organization that has had a long-standing history of, of uh, nothing other than. Uh, reaching excellence and you know the fact that um, you know we we have accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment organizationally Mm -hmm. Um, we've been recognized numerous times for you know the great things that uh, the men and women do here and you know I I mentioned difficult time speaking about my accomplishments Uh, I kind of tend to look at myself this way Um, somewhat unimportant 
um, but inherently more responsible. And, and by that, what I mean is, you know, the buck stops with me as mm-hmm. far as operations. I'm not out there on every single call making things go well. Uh, the men and women of, of this department are out there every single day, all day and night long, making things themselves go well. And, and I think that really speaks to um, the, the, the character uh, of the people that we hire here mm-hmm. um, who don't need you know, the assistant chief of operations out there saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. If anything, they probably go, you know, oh my God, Alan's here. Um, we need to do it even better. But, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, things go great without me having to be there. When I do show up, sometimes it's in a support role, sometimes it's in a, uh, a command role, and, and sometimes I, I like to just show up and, and stand back and watch because you can really learn a lot sometimes by just watching and listening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have that opportunity to, to stand and, and watch and listen, um, it, it's very um, it's very refreshing, and it's, it, it's really an honor to, to watch, you know, our men and women at work and, and the great job that they do. Yeah. I will say I've never had uh, a fire and emergency call experience with the Coleraine Fire Department. But every time I've run into someone in the hallways or just past them, or even I have some personal friends who work here, they are always so polite, so friendly, and just really lead with a sense of like honor and humanity. And I have nothing but respect for that. I think that says a lot about the character of the men and women who are here. And that likewise speaks about the core values then. I mean, that, you know, that tells me that... And we've got three different kinds of values, organizational, action-oriented, and humanistic. And, and so we talked about the organizational ones, you know, from an action-oriented standpoint, we have bravery, courage, and honor. Mm-hmm. And from a humanistic standpoint, we have um, compassion, commitment, and integrity. And so you put all of those together and, you know, put, you put it in a salad bowl and mix it up. And then what you just spoke to really points to those values and and. The, the persons that we have working here. Yeah, I think it says a lot because they don't they don't have to act that way when they're walking in the right. hallway, but you know it says a lot when no one's watching who they are. And that in and of itself is the definition of integrity. It's, mm-hmm. it's doing the right thing when somebody isn't watching. Yeah. Do you want to speak on the fire levy at all? Or Generally maybe? speaking, um, you know. I think it's important to recognize that as far as this upcoming levy goes, it's a 3.0 mil levy, mm-hmm. uh, and it is intended to maintain uh, operations and the service level within the department as we know it right now. Yeah. Uh, there'll be no increase in service. Um, it, it's it's to maintain uh, our current level of operation. You know, from a historical standpoint, in 1988 we had a 6.96 mil levy. We went 12 years. Uh, with that and had uh, a 4.34 mil levy. That was a five-year renewable levy. So we renewed that levy in 2005. And then in 2010, we replaced the 4.34 with a 5.27, which was a 0.93 mil increase. And now we've gone 10 more years and we're asking for that three mil levy to, to maintain operations. So you know, generally speaking, in the last you know, 20 years, you, know, you could say that we've had a 0.93 mil increase. And mm-hmm. so as the cost of things uh, increases, 
you know, we've reached that point to where we've just about spent down our reserve. We will spend down our reserve next year. And in order to maintain service, um, you know, we, we need to have this levy. Yeah. You got to keep things up to, up to code. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. What is a, a broad overview of the, the history of this department? Because it's been around for a while, and I know Tawana touched on her boss having a, uh, a familial tie to the first department. So, um, so years ago, uh, we had the Dunlop Volunteer Fire Department, which served the north part of the township. We had the Grossbeck Volunteer Fire Department that served the south part of the township. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could go back many, many years ago and... New Baltimore used to cover a little bit of the township. Um, ambulance service was provided by, uh, to part of the township by a, a funeral home. Um, and so in 1975, though, uh, Chief Snyder, uh, who was the chief at uh, the Grossbeck Fire Department, um, pulled together both the Dunlap and the Grossbeck Fire Department and the Township Fire Department was formed in 1975 then. Mm-hmm. So the Corrine Township Fire Department, as we know it, came into existence then in, in 1975. Uh, at, at that point in time, they had the fire station down on Galbraith Road, which was uh, the Grossbeck Volunteer Fire Department station. They had the fire station at uh, Kemper and O'Colrain, which was the Dunlap Fire Station. And so then they built a third fire station then on Springdale Road over here, uh, Station 25 as we know it now, uh, to kind of split the difference between um, the north and the south. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many years later, they built uh, the fire station at uh, Thompson and Springdale for a fourth fire station. And then our fifth fire station opened up in 2004 up in the, in the Pleasant Run area. Okay. And so um, Chief Snyder transitioned leadership of the department to Chief Smith. Uh, and then Chief Smith transitioned the leadership of the department to Chief Cook, who's the the chief right now. Mm-hmm. So early, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that um, uh, I had worked with a nurse at the University of Cincinnati who was in the clinical office, and I was in the academic office. Uh, the, the person who gave me that advice uh, just happened to be Chief Smith, yeah. who was uh, the fire chief here. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think it speaks to you know the importance of uh, mentoring and what it means when a person can take the time to spend a few minutes with someone on the phone who they didn't even know and say you know if I were you I would do this and, and so um, the, the the role model and mentor that uh, he and, and, and Chief Cook have been to me have been um, invaluable mm-hmm. for the lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without, um, that guidance and direction. Do you have a vision for what you would like to see for the chlorine fire department in the future, maybe next five, 10, 20 years? All right. As far as vision goes, uh, something uh, that I've got in mind and kind of laid out here, um, you know, generally speaking, there was a time when a fire department was just a fire department, but we're no, we're no longer just a fire department. Mm-hmm. And, and so looking to the future then, you know, kind of conceptualizing and then implementing what the future for us would look like. Uh, it's important to embrace our heritage, but to continue to evolve with the, with the ever-changing landscape. And so I think it's important to continue down the path of being a value-driven and, and mission-focused organization. You know, look at what we do uh, for the township 
uh, as the fire department and then synthesize it as a whole with what uh, the, the township does and then you know become a, a hub for service delivery outside of what a traditional fire department is mm-hmm. and, and, and you're, you we see that already with uh, the, the quick response team and some of the other things that we do but we need to continue to expand upon you know what we do there um, generally speaking if you look at an organization there's usually four frames within it and so there's um, the structural frame which is kind of the architecture there's the human resources frame which is the people uh, the political frame which is kind of the power within an organization and then the symbolic frame which is meaning and faith um, I think it's important sometimes to look at those frames and, and do a little bit of reframing for the lack of a better way to put it mm-hmm. we talked about mentoring early you know sometimes uh, from a political frame standpoint some can look at uh, knowledge as being power I know something that you don't know that makes me important but honestly um, that is anything other than power yeah um, knowledge that isn't used in, in an appropriate way is, is knowledge that just goes away on you know the, the grapevine um, and so you know in, enhancing some of the alignment between the, the community the elected officials the administration uh, the, the township departments and, and the workforce um, having an, an organization an environment that's adaptable and proactive and innovative and focused on continuous improvement and you heard me talk about that a little bit uh, earlier and so I, I kind of have the idea that we should always be an organization that's willing to fail forward mm-hmm. I don't think you should ever fail backwards you should always fail forward and uh, quite frankly contentment isn't something that we should uh, ever strive for nor attain because that results in complacency. Uh, look at our expectations for employee education and credentialing and, and continued professional development. And, and so, you know, we need to look at motivation, um, mentoring that we talked about, yeah. mapping out how you get from point A to point B so there's no ambiguity as to how you could become an assistant chief uh, or a battalion chief or a captain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, measure that in training data data is important you know and we need to advance our ability to in, inspect clean transform and, and model data so that we can um, develop outcome based data and have performance metrics and adopt um, certain key statistics uh, health and wellness uh, health and wellness is very important from a behavioral health standpoint even though it's been 12 years um, I can say with absolute certainty that there are still persons within this organization who suffer from what happened at Squirrel's Nest Line. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in um, behavioral health and, and, and fitness and wellness best practices, standardizing uh, those requirements, um, cancer prevention as well. And, and then quite frankly, a missing component sometimes is ministerial services uh, and having that involvement within the, the department having a network of partners uh, looking at uh, organizational sustainability matters and so we talked about uh, you know that three mile levy and maintaining service you know what ways and means do we have outside of raising additional taxes then to mm-hmm. replace stations to replace apparatus um, can we tweak our deployment models can we enhance our community risk reduction strategy can we look at um, a 3P or a public-private partnership to get some things done so that we're not having to go back to you know, the taxpayers? Uh, 
for more and more and more money. Technology, um, technology is important. Uh, we've embraced it, but uh, we need to continue to adapt to and leverage it. And then finally, you know, that idea of diversity, inclusiveness, and, and belonging. Mm -hmm. And so um, we need to recognize our conscious and subconscious biases and, you know, put forward measures to address those. And um, likewise, understand our community characteristics and assure that, uh, you know, we understand those, those cultures and, and that diversity that exists and then determine the best ways to serve and interact with all of our community members. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of broad, but yeah. that's kind of the vision. It goes into all the facets of, of moving forward. Uh, I just want to go back to some things you said during that. You kind of brought up this idea of failing forward. I think it's been referred to maybe as like smart risk-taking in a way in other departments. What is the role of that going forward? So I think it's very important to not be afraid to try something. And, mm -hmm. and you know, honestly, if, if it fails, we tried, but you don't know if you don't try. Yeah. Because it may very well work. And, and we could use the QRT as, as an example of that. Um, it has positively impacted opiate um, overdose or abuse issues. Mm -hmm. But had we never done that, we would never have known the difference that it would have made. Yeah. Uh, and I think some may have felt that, well, it's just going to fail. Well, it did anything other than that. It's mm -hmm. been a, a very positive thing in the community. And so, unfortunately, people, are are, people aren't comfortable with the idea of, well, I might fail. Well, mm -hmm. we all fail here and there, uh, yeah. if not countless times in our lives. Uh, I, I think I'm... I've stated this before, I'm the most perfectly imperfect person you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. That's me. I've made countless mistakes. Yeah. Um, but what's important, though, is most of those mistakes I've made is because I tried to do something um, and therefore failed forward. But, you know, at times when I have likewise failed, uh, what's important is to continuously, you know, learn from those and not repeat that same mistake over and over. Yeah. What is, uh, you brought up the QRT. For listeners at home, what is the QRT? So the, the QRT, or, or the Quick Response Team, as we know it, um, is a police officer and, and a firefighter paramedic that um, goes out on all of our opiate abuse um, overdoses and conducts follow-ups mm -hmm. and then gets them into uh, a rehabilitation-type situation. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Chief Mueller, the other assistant chief, uh, oversees that program. I, I don't want to speak too much because, you know, that's, that's, that's one of his passions. Um, mm -hmm. And um, he can speak more to that uh, than me, myself. Operationally, obviously, um, we provide, um, um, I guess, what's the best way to put it? Support uh, for that program and, and as much as we possibly can in terms of um, being able to conduct and or do those things. Mm -hmm. And lastly, uh, going back to what you were saying when we were talking about the goals and the, the vision for the future, you touched on both the importance of physical and mental health when it comes to firefighting in this career. Do you want to expand on that a little further? Sure. So if you look, well, and we'll talk physically at first, 
half of all line of duty deaths are, are typically cardiovascular related. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sleep deprivation, um, poor eating habits, uh, lack of exercise, all add up over the, the lifetime of a career, and so it's important to, um, you know, address that, that sleep defri- sleep deprivation and the best way that we can. Likewise, eating habits sometimes it's hard. You know, you're going from call to call to call to call to call, and then to be able to sit down and, and, and enjoy a meal and mm-hmm. a good one can can be difficult sometimes. And then likewise with the, with the go 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 go, it, it doesn't always make it um, easy to enjoy or fit in um, physical activity uh, and or fitness. And, and so I, th- I think it's important that, you know, we, we address that aspect of things. And, and likewise, the behavioral health side of things, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, is, is an issue within uh, public safety. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, honestly, I think at one point in time in my career, the idea that something could bother you was something that you didn't bring up because if it did, then you needed to go find something else to do because you weren't cut out to do this. Yeah. Um, I tend to uh, disagree with that um, belief in that over the course of a 25 or 30 or 35 or 40 year career, if something doesn't bother you at some point, then maybe you're not human mm-hmm. yeah because you will see and do and experience things that um, most people will never have to and, and, and thank God because they shouldn't mm-hmm. and so uh, you know I can I can look over the course of my career um, and honestly I would call it uh, a lost decade um, after squirrels nest lane um, the the, the regret, the, the blame, you know, the frustration, you know, just wanting the question of why answered mm. was significant. And um, it's not something that you can go yourself alone. And, and when you do try to go it alone, uh, that dark and cynical hole only gets darker and deeper. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's important important for you know persons to know that it's okay to say that they're not okay yeah Uh, it's okay to to sit down and and have a conversation it's okay to cry yeah we're adults we're human beings Um, that is not a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. to me it is a sign of strength uh, to be able to sit down and, and talk about and show our vulnerabilities we're human beings we are not robots um, we were not machines. Um, we have feelings, and um, it's okay to say, "Yeah, I'm not okay. I need to talk about this for a minute." Especially in a, a stressful career like this, mental health, I'm sure, is something that's almost just as important as physical health, if not more important. You know, even even family support. You know, the the, the worst thing I ever did was, you know go home and my wife would say how was the day and I'd say it was great Mm -hmm. well it really wasn't but I didn't want to go home and you know bother my family with oh hey you know what I saw today and yeah but when you you know you lock those things up and think that you can put them back here and they're they're never going to come back around that's that's false yeah that's false There, there are things that I've been a part of that I could 
I could tell it to you right now, like it happened right now, even though it happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's knowing how to deal with and process those things yeah. in a productive way. Mm-hmm. So we're almost at time. Uh, so we probably should be wrapping it up. Do you have any tips or advice for people to prevent fires or emergency situations? Uh, first and foremost, um, smoke detectors. So smoke detectors play a huge role in, in early notification mm-hmm. uh, and, and detection. And uh, we have a smoke detector program you know, here in the township uh, that in conjunction with the American Red Cross. We've conducted smoke detector blitzes and, and likewise, if somebody's in need of a smoke detector, uh, they can contact us. Mm-hmm. And um, we can get that taken care of. Uh, likewise, you know, safe habits. Um, any number of things sometimes, unfortunately, could be prevented with with just safe habits. You know, be it seat belts, be it pool safety, um, mm-hmm. be it um, power tools, or you know, I- I- anything like that. Generally speaking, and and so. Um, you know, in, in, in a nutshell, um, just practicing safety to the highest degree possible in, in terms of trying to prevent things. Awesome. And is there any, anything you would like to say in closing or um, to it, highlight? Sure. I mean, for me, it's truly been a, a an honor uh, and a privilege and, and very humbling to work as a public servant in, in Coleraine Township. Um, it, it's, you know... To, to have the ability to make a difference day in and day out in, in people's lives, I don't think there's any greater calling. And so, you know, I knew when I started in the fire service that this is where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Did I believe that I would ever rise to the level that I've, I've risen to? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I grew up in small town USA. And so having gotten to where I'm at, you know, once again, points to, you know, that, that, that mentoring and, and the support of others, but likewise, you know, that, that personal drive. Um, I've got less years left in my career than I do more years, but um, I still have things that I want to see us accomplish. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, and thank you for your service. It's truly been an honor. Hey, Corrine. Thank you for tuning into my interview with Fire Chief Alan Walls. For more interviews like it, be sure to check out our Spotify or Apple podcast page. Our next episode is an extremely special one because not only is it our last episode, but it is going to be a Coleraine trivia game with some of our former guests. 